Welcome to Business Unveiled Podcast. This is the place where we help overwhelmed, time-starved entrepreneurs like you make the profitable shifts to get more done and get more out of life. I'm your host, Angela Prophet, award-winning eight-figure entrepreneur and CEO. And in every episode of Business Unveiled, I'm bringing you conversations that will give you the expertise and strategies that will scale your team and business so you can get shit done. That's GSD in our world. So get your time back and grow a business that helps you be present in your life. Let's do this, y'all. Hi, y'all. It's Angela. I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. I'm so excited for our guest today because she speaks my language. Like there's a few words in my vocabulary where I'm like, you know, entrepreneurs, business owners, like they don't say these words enough. Words like strategy and financials and numbers and like things that just it ain't fun. It's not always fun to do these things, but without the guidance, you are literally guiding your business into a hole with a blindfold on, and that's not good. So today we're going to talk about some of those things. So Melanie, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so, so happy to be here. Thank you so much. Now I have to say your last name is what all entrepreneurs want. Is it actually like by birth or by marriage or something? It was by marriage. I mean, I'm like, if, if people think it's for branding all the time, I'm like, but I would have branded it with one F and one T not two F's and two T's. I think and it makes so, it stand out though. Yeah, it, it was a, a, an ex marriage. <laughs> well, it didn't really work out. You kept the kept best part of it. Out. Yeah. You kept the best part of that marriage. Right. And I, I, I didn't even take my husband's name. I, Hershorn is my birth name and that's just what it is. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's great for branding. Um, but it is, it's so important to like, always know your numbers, always know your, the ROI on everything that you're doing and spending time. And I know you spend a lot of time talking about social media and online marketing and strategy. And just like, I love that world. Before we jump in and start talking about kind of like what's been going on in that whole space, because I don't know about you when I started my businesses, none of this existed. Did, ex- did this exist for you when you started my uh, first business, my first business that I started, it was Facebook and Twitter. Those were okay. the things. Okay. It's just, there's so many things and it seems like every month or every quarter, at least there's something, either a new platform or, or something, a new feature. And then people are like, ah, it's just another thing. So we're going to hone in on how we can better like spend time, but I would love to know more about your journey. How have you gotten to where you are today? Share a little bit of context so that our viewers, anybody listening or watching knows like you just didn't roll out of bed and then this happened. Like there's a journey to get there. So if you'll no. share. I'm sorry. I rolled out of bed like this. No, I wish this is, I wish I could look better than I do after all the makeup I've applied. But anyway, um, so I, I did not get here in a linear fashion. It is not like I woke up and I said, I want to be a marketing strategist when I grow up. First of all, I don't think, well, social media didn't exist. I mean, heck the internet didn't exist when I was born. (laughs) So forget that. Um, 
forget that. Uh, So I went to college and I studied history. And then I was like, oh, I can do nothing with that. What do I do now? Well, it just so (laughs) happened that I hitched my wagon to a guy who lived in LA. Now I was in Canada. So I moved to LA and got a job in entertainment PR. And it was really cool. I was on a reality show. And this was like one of the first reality shows like ever. It was um, a famous redhead, a famous redhead comedian. Um, She had a, a reality show on Bravo. This was like before the Housewives franchise, like this ages me a little bit. Wow. And after a while, I was like, you know, I don't think I want to do PR. This isn't what I wanted. I'm going to be a journalist. So got a master's in journalism and I worked, uh, then I moved to Pennsylvania, worked on the radio. It was awesome. I was doing news and reporting and anchoring. And then I got pregnant and they laid me off. (gasps) Oh my gosh. You were not expecting that, right? Yeah, no, I wasn't either. Um, I was not expecting that either. So then I was like, oh my God, this is my life. I am officially a nothing, which, you know, that's like a whole other mindset issue. But yeah. um, I then, you know, I, I was called uh, by the, the local newspaper called me up like within days and they said, we'd love for you to freelance for us. And I was like, okay, but you know, I'm five months pregnant. They're like, we don't care. Yeah. So <laughs> we don't care, which yeah. was really awesome. Uh, but I was moving uh, to, to Arizona um, within a year based on my husband's job. So when we got to Arizona, I was like, Hmm, do I want to be a journalist and pay more money to a babysitter than that I will be earning? Or do I want to do something else? I was like, you know, I have this desire, this, this calling that I have to make breastfeeding clothing. (laughs) Did you? I did. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so I have no training in it. Like Google was my best friend and I figured out how to do it. And by the end, I was selling my clothes on Nordstrom.com and on Amazon and in boutiques across the country. And I'll tell you inventory. I don't miss that. But so what happened was the reason I got out of it, it was twofold. So number one, moms who are like millennial age and younger, they were like, eh, we'd rather just go to, I don't know, Zara, buy something and then th- rip it and then throw it in the garbage. Uh-huh. Don't really want to pay a ton of, cl- of money for this. And also I had hired somebody to help me with my social media. And she turned out to be a nightmare. She was uh, verbally abusive emotionally abusive. And I paid her $25,000 over the course of a year. I got 5,000 Instagram followers that were not going to buy from me. And I started to feel like I was an inch tall. So when I finally put a really raggedy bow on that business, I thought, all right, well, what can I do now? Mm -hmm. I have this experience that is all part of me. It's all in my brain. What can I do? And I thought, well, 
why don't I help other women with their business? Why don't I be that supportive cheerleading guide to help them with their marketing? So nobody ever feels as crappy as I do right now. And so that was kind of the, my mission that I want to, I know you said brief, but this is, no, like, this is great. <laughs> this is great. I can't be brief. Cause this all happened. And so now I do what I do because I learned everything from others. I'm always learning more. And I just love helping women and seeing for me, it's all about the mission, right? Like if somebody says, Hey, I'd like to work with you. Actually, this happened like a half hour ago. Somebody said, you know, I'd like to work with you. I, I haven't written a book and I know you help women who who've written books and they have a mission, whatever, but I read a blog and I said, well, what's your mission? And when she told me what her mission is, I go, yeah, let's get on a call. That's awesome. If, if you have a mission that's, that's just like you, Angela, if you have a mission that is you are aiming to make this world a better place, then I want to help. That's in awesome. My, in my small way. That it, and it's so important. It's like, and the older I get, I like to say the more experience we gain, you know, it's like, I don't want to work on projects that we're not going to be passionate about. Like it's, it just, it takes the fun out of it. And, but isn't it funny how, when we think like bad things happen to us or like negative experiences, how a lot of entrepreneurs like build businesses off of a, a feeling that they never want anyone else to go through ever again. I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I mean, it's very similar. It's like, we worked with so many different consultants and so many different people and so many different companies. And then they promise all this stuff. And then, you know, my heart, I want to believe like, they're not bad people. They just don't know what they don't know. Um, two of them were outright stealing. And so, you know, in my head, it's like, I know you think I'm a dumb blonde, but like, I'm really not on certain things, but it's just sad that people take advantage of other people and then treat them like that and make them feel lesser than what they are. And so that's a great story. You said something really important though, that I would like to go back to because there's a lot of people, a lot of consumers that will contact us and say, I need PR or I need this. And I'm like, oh no, that's PR. That's not marketing. And that's de definitely not digital marketing. And it's not content creation, digital marketing, which is what we do. So um, you need PR and they're like, but isn't that what you do? Can you just briefly explain like the difference between PR and like digital marketing? Because it's oh, very yeah. different. Oh, it's right. And, and what's interesting is I believe that PR actually falls under the marketing umbrella, mm -hmm. but it's not marketing. It's not digital marketing. PR is getting you in the news. I mean, that's <laughs> the shortest way I can say it. It's getting you in the news. Um, it might, I feel like guesting on podcasts kind of straddles both marketing and PR. I mean, I help people do it, but other PR people help people do it. But podcasting in general would technically fall under the news. 
So if it's the news, if it's CNN, ABC, NBC, you know, Ariana Huffington's, whatever she's on now, the HuffPost or the Thrive Global or whatever, that's PR. So that is somebody or yourself pitching you to be written about. Um, and you know, there's the, the waters are slightly muddied because when people say, you know, I write for Forbes. Yes, but you might pay for that. Mm -hmm. So I think that in general, PR is not paid for, but it can be, but again, it's, it's, but that's what PR is. It's so you can say as seen in or as featured on. How's that? That's perfect. Okay. And I love that you brought up that you can pay for things, which yeah, well, you, people don't know that, but I like don't. to be transparent. No, yes. they don't, but I like to be transparent. So just because your competition is featured in something doesn't mean they didn't pay to be there. In fact, here's an interesting thing I learned. People actually have to pay to get their, their, uh, walk Hollywood walk of fame, their star. That's not free. Right. Hollywood didn't call someone up and go, Hey, we want to do you a favor. No. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned books and working with a lot of authors. And I, I didn't know until I started self-publishing some things that you could buy your own book, lots of them to be on the bestseller list. Like there's just all these things that you don't know what you don't know, but then it, it's almost like telling a little kid Santa Claus doesn't exist in wait, some of these just, things. Wait, don't say that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jewish. Like, <laughs> it's fine. How are you? And <laughs> just, but you know, or telling like a family, like you can't go on vacation because of the pandemic and everything's shut down. You can't take your kid to D Disney, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's just, it sucks. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, when you learn these, some of it's like the magician behind the curtain thing where sometimes yeah. I'm like, do I really want to know that? Because it would have been better if I didn't know that, you know, that sucks, but it also helps you realize in life that like some of the things you think and some of the things you were told and some of the things you were taught shit changes, you know, and, and things it's almost anything and everything and, and news and PR and publication money can buy a lot of those things, but typically in PR, like you need some type of like a brand guide or a word guide or something that is going to market you in the way that you want to be marketed. So a lot of the marketing details that need to be done will support the PR so that they don't say the wrong things about you. So there's like layers, like let's do ABCD before we get to XYZ. So, I mean, that's just exactly. kind of how exactly. I. Absolutely. And A is being clear with your messaging. Yes. Knowing who you're talking to, who's your ideal client, who's your target market and knowing what to say, that's going to resonate with them. And that falls under content marketing. That's content marketing 101, as opposed to PR, which is you already need to have an established brand for, um, you know, Anderson Cooper to say, Hey, I want to have you on my show. If that were what he actually covered, which he probably wouldn't, but you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. <laughs> Are there, is there any, um, like exercises or things that you would tell a client to, how to get clear on their message? Like, is there a, um, a secret framework or like the top three things that you need to do that anybody that's like listening or watching, they're like, Oh shit, I need to make sure I'm clear. So like, what is the number one thing that they should be doing to make sure that not, not that you're clear to yourself and your team, by the way, it's like what other people think about you. Well, yes, exactly. So I would say the first thing is ask somebody who is not you, not your family member, not your sister, not your, you know, babysitter for your kids. You want to ask somebody who is your target audience. And that is what we in marketing like to call market research, which, you know, you were talking about numbers and ROI and all this stuff. And that kind of thing makes me itchy. I got to say, I'm like way more creative. And like, I have to force myself to do the numbery thing with the spreadsheets and the, uh, but I do it because you have to. And so that said, uh, market research, it doesn't mean that you have to crunch numbers and have a focus group. It simply means you can survey your Instagram followers. Hey, tell me what you think about X, Y, and Z pick a, B or C, you know? So it's, it's really checking out to see what people are responding to. So here's the thing about marketing. And, and you know, this it's that you always have to tweak things. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to find like the magic bullet and then like, oh, this is what I do every single time. And every single time I post it, 25,000 people are going to give me money. It, it's, it's, it's not like that. And, and marketing as a whole, especially content marketing, I mean, it's hard to really give you ROI because everything that you do with your marketing, like everything your marketing touches is how you make money. So if nobody knows about you there, what's that, that line is like the, the best known product is going to win. It's not the best product. Mm-hmm. And the, the example often given is the iPhone. Um, the iPhone is not as good as other phones that, that are available, but their marketing is top notch. They know who their audience is and they have us hook, line, and sinker. I am one of those people, but I have never lined up for an iPhone. I will say that I've never done that. (laughs) I pre-order stuff, but I don't stand in line, (laughs) but I'm like an Apple geek. I'm the girl who'd rather have every Apple thing than like clothes or shoes or purse. I know it's weird. It's really weird. Well, it's not weird, but that's good marketing. (laughs) It is. It's all about like the integrating it, like Apple's whole thing. People think they are an, um, a technology company or a product company. They're really an experience company that it embeds every single day. What do you need either on your, your wrist or in your hand when you go to the bathroom or whatever, what do you need to have a better experience? (laughs) Yeah. Every single day, like it's, it's insane. So talking about content and, and I'm sure if you're listening or watching, unless you've lived under, under just like a complete bubble, like you've heard the terms organic paid, um, nurturing, but like, do you really know what it means? Let's and talk about so, this. you know, you really talk about 
the having a plan for content, but, but specifically like the nurturing and, you know, there's different buying stages and there's, you know, different customer journeys, but what, what have some case studies or experiences been where nurturing content has like really worked that for your clients? Everything that I advocate for is nurturing. So I don't know that I can give you a specific case study, but I can tell you that you can get all the leads you want in the whole wide world. And if you don't nurture those leads by providing them with value on the regular, you wasted your money. So the case study is, I don't let anybody I work with not have continuous content running and they get clients and they run, they grow their businesses and they grow their followings. That's just what happens. It's, it's, it's a slow process. This is a marathon, not a sprint, but it is a tried and true process. So we know we need it. Can you share like the top reasons, like you and I know why we need it, but people who are listening, who are not in marketing at all, like, why do we need, why do we need to nurture? Why do we need content to nurture? And, and if you can give an example of like actual content, that would be like a nurturing piece, I think could be helpful. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. So give me a, an example of a, of a, job, a business, an entrepreneur, somebody that is listening now, what do you think they might do? What, what do you think? What kind of business do you think they might have? So I know a lot of people that listen and watch, they are in the hospitality industry. And so they do a lot of events. They design things. They're preparing food, alcohol, mixology, anything that has to do with uh, providing a service, like a really great experience and service, you know, for, for people, for consumers. Okay. Could we say like an event planner, for example? Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's talk about this mythical event planner. Okay. So why does this event planner need to nurture her audience? First of all, she's, we talked about leads, right? Bringing in all these leads. What are leads? Leads are new people coming into your funnel, which is another word that gets overused. So I'll just say your community. They're hopping on your hopping on the conveyor belt of your customer journey at the beginning. So now, cause I, I know, you know, just an aside, we, we talk about, you know, all the jargon. So one time I was talking to my husband and I said something about lead gen and he said, who's that? And I was like, oh, <laughs> right. You're not in marketing. You have no idea what I'm talking about. So exactly. So this, this mythical event planner has met a bunch of people at a networking event, let's say, or, uh, she has this really great lead magnet, five steps to planning your first event without any drama. Let's say that's her lead magnet. Love so it. the person <laughs> I love lead magnets, they're my favorite. So the person th this ideal client says, oh, I want that lead magnet and they download it. And then they never hear from her again. <laughs> the end. 
silence crickets. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. Right. Alternatively, they download or they don't get to download the lead magnet. They put in their information for the lead magnet and then they get an email that delivers the lead magnet. They have to open their email and they're like, oh, I just got my first email from Mythical Event Planner. And then the next day they get another email from her. And this one talks about who she is, why she does what she does, what her mission is. And at the bottom, it says, you know, I, I hope that this, this uh, five tips to planning your first event is helping you, but I'm going to give you something even that's really going to add on to that tomorrow. So watch your inbox. And then the next day she sends them, I don't know, paper cutouts for, for like centerpieces for your first event. And they're like, oh my God, this is another cool thing that she just gave me. And then in her, another email, she offers to get on a call with them or in another email, she offers them to join her program. Then they're used to being part of her community. They like what she's providing. So it's really about creating that engagement with people. Again, another buzzword. Wish we had more synonyms in the English language than we do, right. but we don't. There's only one word for love. Thankfully, I don't have to use it very often in work. Um, <laughs> but creating that back and forth, establishing a rapport, getting somebody to know you, to like you, to trust you, to see that you know what you're talking about. You're a thought leader, you're an expert, you're an authority in your space. Those are really good synonyms. And when they're looking for the person who does what it is that you do, you are the person they're going to hire. That's the beauty of nurturing. <laughs> it, they may not need you right this second, but it, like you said, eventually it's like keeping you top of mind. And, you know, the other thing, and I, I also too, I used to have this mindset where I thought it was annoying or I'm like, I don't want to bother people. Like, why do they care about me? Like, why do they care about my story? Why do they care about what I do? And then I had a coach tell me, you got to stop thinking that because first off you solve a problem. So those of you watching or listening, and you're listening to what we're saying, you solve a problem. People need your help. And they want to look good. Like the story brand God says they want to be hero and you can help them get there. And you're the guide. Right. So why would you not tell them? And people care about people. And there are, I mean, a lot of girls on my team, they buy from very specific brands because they know the founder story. They know what they stand for. They know that they are supporting either human trafficking or, um, a flood just happened like an hour from where I live. Like they're donating proceeds to help those families that just lost everything. We went through that 10 years ago where I, where I live. So it's like, there has to be a bigger cause and there's always a story attached to it. And exactly what you said a minute ago, like people need to be able to resonate with you. And if they don't like what you're doing, then they're going to unsubscribe or they're not going to read or they're not going to open and they're going to delete. And that's not your perfect client anyway, which brings me to a great question. Like, can you give us an example of like, who's your perfect client? 
Ooh, I absolutely can. Thank you. So my perfect client is a coach, a consultant, a speaker, and she's written a book and she hasn't necessarily published it yet, but even if she has, she realizes that it's not just about the launch. The book is just the beginning of growing your brand and and you know amplifying your message and your mission online. So that's who I love to help because for me it's it's totally selfish because I love to help them further their mission of making this world a better place. <laughs> yeah, and getting the message out there. And with PR and with my I mean it's like a perfect mix. Mm-hmm. So for people who don't have a nurturing system yet, what do they need to do to create a nurturing system? Okay. Well, you want to know what you're going to be talking about. It doesn't have to be a lot of things, but ideally you're going to have four content pillars that everything kind of falls under. It's like four little, um, well, I guess four giant umbrellas that everything you talk about falls under. So for me, the things I talk about over and over and over again are content marketing, like we're doing today, social media marketing, email marketing, and marketing mindset. And everything I talk about has to do with that stuff over and over again. A lot of mindset stuff. Cause I find that just like you were saying, you know, feeling like you're bothering people or you're sending too many emails or posting too much or nah, nah, none of that. So figure out what your content pillars are and also take a look at what you're posting or what emails you're sending and people are opening and liking and responding to, and then kind of duplicate that. That's going to be a really great jumping off point. So if no one's responding and no one's opening, then what do you do? (laughs) Well, first of all, don't freak out. Right. First thing you do not, do not freak out. Take a look and say, okay, am I really talking to my ideal client? Am I using their language? Do I even know who my ideal client is? Has it changed recently? And the people that I was talking to, I'm not talking to them anymore and that's okay. But don't freak out, freak out. Don't do that because it's not brain surgery and everything is fixable. And as Marie Forleo says, everything is figure outable. Love it. I love that book. (laughs) Yeah, she's awesome. So if it's not working, then go back to the drawing board and say, all right, what is my mission? What am I trying to accomplish here? Yes. I want to make money. Everybody wants to make money. That's fine. But that is, there's gotta be something else that gets you out of bed because you know, you could go to a nine to five job and make money. That's not gonna be fun. I mean, entrepreneurs, we're a special breed because we have to have like serious self-discipline and we have to be able to talk ourselves off the ledge on the regular and (laughs) we're creative. We have to be like really regimented with things. We have to block a calendar. I still can't get that accomplished very well. We have to do all those things, right? So Go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what is my mission? And then go from there. 
And you know what? Look at what your competitors are doing. Don't copy them, but maybe they'll inspire you. You know, there are always the big wigs in your field. So see what they're doing and then tailor it to you. Yeah. And something that we've learned too, like you said a really important word, the word change, if your audience has changed. And what I've learned over the years is as you evolve as a company and as you change and as you pivot and as you grow, you might be talking to a different audience in a completely different category. And when I used to do a lot of coaching, if I had one more person that said, I just keep getting all these barn weddings. I don't want to do any more country barn weddings. And I'm like, well, your social media only shows barn weddings. So stop posting what you don't want. And they're like, but I want to do what you're doing. And I'm like, well, then po- you can all exactly what you just said. If something inspires you, that's what Pinterest is for people. You get inspired all the time, by all these freaking images. It's you can use whatever you want. Go, go tag or what pin or whatever the hell it's called. Like, because it's going to pin back to me anyway. And then when you actually get a job to do that and you don't know what the hell you're doing, you're going to come hire me anyway to coach you through it. So <laughs> it's a win-win situation. Totally. But not, I guess not everyone is like, like has that mentality there. Apparently there's people out there that are like, you stole my work. You, I'm like, you can't steal people's work and go put the pictures on the website as if you did it. But there's other ways to show inspiration, especially in social media, because people don't read the fine print. And if they're just looking at a picture, they may think that you did that. But again, and you might be able to pull it off for a group of 50 people. But when you have to produce events for a thousand plus people and you've never built teams before and you just sold this idea, you're going to reach out for help or or you're going to figure it out, waste some money and, and make it better the next time. I mean, that's what I did in the beginning. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I mean, I did a little bit. I grew up in the industry, but from a business perspective, I didn't know how to run a business and no clue. So to learn all that the hard way, but coaches and consultants weren't around back then either. If I could go hire someone, which oftentimes we do today, and that can fast track five years and save me a ton of money, like that's what I'm going to do. So it's, it's just important to know that like, if something's not working, stop doing it and try something else and try something else. And also ask people and use their words. And that's been like one of the hardest things for me, because the way that I refer to some things is the way I grew up. And it doesn't mean that my target audience is going to talk about those things or use those words. So you really have to make sure that you're mirroring what people are saying to you. And that's been like the hardest thing for me to like tailor some of my stuff to, because I'm like, yeah, I don't talk like that. I talk a lot about jail and prisoners. My dad was an undercover cop. Like I grew up around that stuff, but that's not the everyday person, you know, that, that I'm like, get out of email jail. And they're like, yeah, emails suck. And I'm like, well, I feel like I'm in jail, but they've never been in a jail. So how, and then, then they'll think, well, did, were you in jail? No, I wasn't in jail, (laughs) but I grew up around jails because my dad put people in jail. You know, it's just like, you really have to think deep about these things. Yes. Otherwise your marketing doesn't work. 
And so that's where you can outsource, get a copywriter, invest in it. <laughs> it, it really, really helps. So talking about posting stuff on social media, and I know a lot of people feel like they need to be on every platform. I mean, literally every single person that we work with, they're like, where should I focus? What should I be on? Do I need to be everything like spread a little bit too thin? I mean, if you're newer at social media and you're just starting out, you know, that's one lane I would say to go in. You know, if you've, if your brand is seasoned and you've been around and you're trying to figure out like, where's your community? Like, what are some things? Cause I know you think you don't have to be on every single platform and, and diff- it depends on who you talk to, like different people, different marketing companies, they, they, they all think differently. And I think it all comes from experience. You know, I say, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Cause we've had clients get hacked. We've had clients be trolled and their stuff has been taken down on certain platforms. And if they didn't own their audience or have another platform, they'd kind of be effed. <laughs> so what is your philosophy around where should people be focusing their energy just on social media? Okay. Um, I agree that we don't own our followers and can be hacked and you have clients where it happened and that's terrible. And email marketing is the reason it's the backup. It's also awesome. So whenever you get a follower, if you can, get their email address as well so that you always have a way to reach them. That said, I agree, don't put your eggs in one basket, but certainly don't put your eggs in 15 either. Right. So so there's gotta be a, a balance, right? Now I am sticking a three, personally. I do Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Those are where my people are at and With Facebook, it's really just my Facebook group. With LinkedIn, I'm very active. And with Instagram, I'm very active. But again, it's going to be where your people are. So if your people are not on LinkedIn, do not waste your time being on LinkedIn because that's a waste of your time. Each social media platform has its own weird nuances. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you remember, you know, what, six months ago when clubhouse became all the rage. Yes. Okay. So what were the feelings that you had attached to that? Because I know for me, I felt FOMO. I felt guilt. I felt confusion. I felt disgust and frustration because I didn't want to be on it. And all of a sudden everybody was doing it except everybody wasn't doing it. People were going out and buying iPhones just so they could be on clubhouse. Crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. And I had to have like a come to Jesus moment with myself that I am not an auditory learner and I was not getting anything out of it. And I found it very confusing to have to listen to what people were saying and then never knowing when it was my turn to talk and, or if it would ever be my turn to talk. And people would say, well, it's such a great lead generator. And I was like, you know what? I get my leads from other places. So I am not, I mean, I'm on Clubhouse, but I don't think I've opened the app in several iterations of its, of its cover. I think the last time I opened it, it was three people ago. Yeah, um, me too. 
<laughs> and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So, so much of this is really about mindset too. If you're going to go all in on one or two and really like learn the nuances, it's like you said earlier, when, you know, the new, the, the new things come out, like when Instagram reels came out, it was like, ah, what do we do? How do we do this? And, you know, all so, so then you want to master what's going on in a particular app because the new stuff is going to boost you higher when you're doing the new things the app itself will boost you higher. And it's all about beating that algorithm to death. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, to use your, you know, police jail death metaphor. Um, <laughs> yes. So that said, you know, find where your people are and stick, try, try two, try three, but not more. And remember that in order to save yourself some agony, Post the same thing on all of the platforms because not everybody is going to be going from, oh, I saw what you wrote on Instagram. So now I'm going to go look at how you wrote it on Facebook. And if they are, they're A, your super fan or a stalker. And again, you need an undercover police officer. Mm-hmm. Weird. <laughs> My brother owns the PI company, all undercover, covert results, <laughs> private investigations. Cool. For real. It's crazy. So I know that you do. Um, we we had someone on the podcast not so long ago. Her whole company, all they do is quizzes for social media. So they write quizzes. They do A B split testing with quizzes, and I'm a huge fan. We we don't do them really, but but I think you know I'm like that'd be cool one day, you know. But it works for a lot of businesses. And so, and I know you're a fan of doing them. Have they really helped you identify, like, this is my target audience and it helps me pre-qualify, like who I want to work with. Um, so in full transparency, I need to redo my quiz. <laughs> and by the time this Thanks. airs, I will have, but, um, cause what was happening is it was too broad. And thankfully I have the ability to change it myself and I know how to write. So I'm going to be doing that because it needs to be really tailored to what you want. When I was doing what I was doing before, which was creating content for people and writing the content for them. Um, yeah, that worked. Um, but now it's, kind of useless. So it is a good lead generator, but it has to be really honed in. And currently mine is not. But you know that, and you know that you're going to work on it. And so that's a great example of how something worked for, you know, a little bit, like we really try to evaluate. I mean, at least once a year, you guys like look at your websites, look at your forms, look at what you're doing. I mean, every um, workshop or product or anything that we're doing like quarterly, you know, looking at it and making sure like, is this really what we want to, because what you put out is what you're going to get back. Just like the barn thing. If you, if you don't want to do barn things, quit putting out barn shit. Like it's, it seems so simple, but it's like, we've grown to this expectation of everything that I do. I have to put it on social media or I have to tell everybody and then we even had clients a year or so ago, prior to the pandemic, they're, they're like, why aren't you posting my stuff on social media? 
And I'm like, oh, excuse me, what we post on social media, we don't do things to post them on social media. The other companies may do that. That's not what we do. And so then I had to start asking the question, are you looking for something that's Instagrammable or are you doing this because of this? You know, again, going back to the mission, like what's your mission and yes. what's your purpose? And if people say, oh, I want that Instagram, I'm like, I, I'm not your girl. We're not the company for you. Right. You might end just, up on social. You may not. I don't it's know. It's so shallow. And it it's, is. And it's not going to, to, to stay the distance, to stay the course. It's not. No, no. So I know that people can go to mycontentquiz.com. And by the time people are listening or watching this, you could have maybe you've changed it three or four times. Who knows? It's very possible. It is yeah. a living, it's a living document. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, you, you got it. You got to know what's going on. And, and a lot of, a lot of people, they don't, and this was me for 10 years. I never took the time to work on the business. Mm, I was always in like, the business in constantly. And so this is where I want to challenge you to at least put four days on your calendar for a year. It's once a quarter where you look at your shit and make sure if you're not getting the return on your nurturing content, something isn't resonating. So take the time to listen to it. You also have a Facebook group. What's the name of that group? It's called Sparkles and Strategy. And uh, to get there, you can go to vipdigital.live slash community, and that'll get you there. Love it. And y'all we'll put all this in the show notes. So don't pull over. You know, don't I know a lot of people accident. Like, don't do that. Yeah, drop. Don't do that. Yeah. So we'll put it in there. And then what I know you said you do Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Do you have like a favorite if people want to directly connect with you? I think Instagram is probably the easiest because then you can just DM me and it comes right into my phone, which is always at my side. Um, and I'm just at VIP digital content. Awesome. This was so helpful. I know lots of nuggets. Anybody listening or watching, thank you so much for your time. And this was awesome. Thank you for your time, Melanie. This thank is great. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun and I've learned stuff too. I love it. Yay. Y'all be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Business Unveiled. And thank you so much for your time today. Bye y'all. That's it for this week's episode of Business Unveiled. Now that you have all the tools that you need to conquer the world and GSD, get shit done, would you share this with your friends and fellow business leaders? One thing that would really, really help us and help new listeners is for you to rate the show and leave a comment in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in and listen to Business Unveiled. You can check out the show notes at AngelaProfit.com slash podcast and link up with us on social media so you can share your biggest insights and I want to know your aha moments. Until next week, remember the profitable shifts and structures you're creating in your business help you be more present in your life. So get out there and GSD.